end of the day, we all would love to have millions and millions and millions of dollars for every project we put our hands on. But it, that's just not the reality of how this stuff works. I'm sure you've talked to, Justin, and I've definitely talked to business sellers that just are out of touch completely with the reality of what a site is worth. Buying and selling businesses just got a lot easier. Welcome to the Web Equity Show, where thousands of successful entrepreneurs go to learn about buying, growing, and selling online businesses. Your hosts, Justin Cook and Ace Chapman, share their real-life advice, examples, and expert interviews to help you build and grow your own online portfolio. Now to your hosts, Justin and Ace. I'm really excited about the show we got lined up today. We're talking about prepping your website for sale. And the truth is when you're selling your website or online business, it can be a very emotional decision. And often those emotions can kind of drive those decisions and and the things that you're thinking about when you're looking to sell your business. Yeah, I've found that with my buyers and, and even me personally, when you deal with a seller that has prepared and, you know, they know all the information regarding their site, there's nothing worse than jumping on the phone with a seller. You're asking them basic question like, oh, I have no idea. Oh, I don't know that either. It's like, OK, <laughs> well, had you been thinking about selling this for a long time? So preparing allows you to, one, get the site sold, but also get a higher price. Yeah, not being prepared can cause you to miss out on opportunities because you're going to have buyers that see it and go, oh, nope, they don't really have their stuff together. It doesn't look like they're very serious about selling their business. And as a buyer, you have to take a lot of time digging into due diligence, right? And so it's going to take some time, some effort on your part. And if they haven't put the effort up front, you know, that's concerning for you as a buyer, right? Yeah. A lot of times it's not so much that anything sketchy is going on, but it seems like from the buyer's perspective that you're being evasive when you don't have the information ready to send to them. If it takes you a long time to gather things up. So when you come to the table prepared, it's a lot easier to engage the buyer. Yeah, we sometimes get a little pushback from sellers when they're kind of going through our vetting process and they say, oh, your vetting process is strict. You're requiring all this information from me. And we push back again and say, well, you know, the only reason we're doing that is because the buyer's due diligence is going to be even more strict. And so if we can help you prepare the numbers and get everything ready up front, it's going to save you a whole lot of hassle when when it gets serious and you get a buyer at the table that has the money that's really ready to engage and do business with you. You want to be prepared. All right, let's move into the listener shout section. First up, if you're new to the show, you're just tuning in. This is our second episode. We'd really appreciate if you checked us out over on iTunes and gave us a review. Uh, one of the reasons we do this show is to you know help people get you know them more engaged and more information about the buying and selling process. And the best way to do that is to help our reviews in iTunes and help us get more exposure, and we'll love you for it. Second thing is you can leave a question over on the site, webequityshow.com. Leave a comment in the comment section, and we'll make sure to answer that on the show. We also have a place where you can leave a quick voice recording, and we'll make sure to get you on the show as well in a future episode and answer any questions or, or concerns or comments you have. All right, Ace, I got a question for you, man. Here's one I got on Twitter. It said, what's stopping most brokers from jumping into adults? So this is a question about, I know what you're thinking in your head. You're like, well, no, what are you talking about adult, man? No, (laughs) we, on the Empire Flippers podcast, we did a show uh, where we talked to an adult website broker and we we kind of, you know, kind of into the details a bit. And I mentioned on the show that we don't do adult. So we don't do porn sites. 
We don't help broker porn sites. We don't do casino or gambling sites as a general rule. Is that a rule that you have or do you do adult sites? Well, so I've never listed an adult site, but since I work with buyers, I have had clients that consider and look at both adult site and gambling sites. And it's been interesting that I guess the really interesting thing is that we haven't gotten one closed yet. So for one reason or another, in each case, you know, it's not to say that everybody in that space is CD. And that was a really great interview that you did with the broker that sells these deals. And he made a, a, a point that's very valid. I mean, you know, these guys are businessmen just like anybody else, men and women. And we've looked at those deals. We've never closed one. It's definitely a different space. And I really think it's an incestuous business. Everybody does deals with each other. Everybody in that world gets it. And so it's tough for outsiders to even buy those businesses because if somebody's looking at that deal, you know, in, in a future episode, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, strategic value. And so if you've got somebody that has a, a deal that's already in that space, it's going to be more valuable to them than it is to you. And those are the folks that usually end up doing those deals. Yeah, it just seems like everyone in the adult space is getting in bed with each other, doesn't it? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, exactly. I, exactly. I, I couldn't help myself, man. All right, let's get into the show now. One of the questions I get all the time is why would anyone sell a profitable business? It comes with a bit of like disbelief in the fact that anyone would sell a business that's making money, that's working for them. And do you ever get that, Ace? Absolutely. Anytime I'm working with somebody, especially if the deal is a little more passive, I think people can understand when somebody's selling a business and they look at it as like, oh, that's a lot of work. They need somebody else to come in and do it. And especially if the owner is using an excuse like, oh, I'm selling this because I don't have enough time to run it. But then <laughs> later on in the ad, it says it's a passively run business. I spend no time on it. Those kind of things can cause the confusion for a buyer as well. For sure. And there's a dash of cynicism that comes with that too. Like why would anyone sell this business that's making money? It just doesn't make any sense. And I get where they're coming from. And I think they're right to be somewhat cynical. And some of the reasons, Ace, you've seen this too, where like you just said, like they're they're contradicting themselves you know, I don't have the time and, oh, but there's, it takes very little time to run this business. Well, there's there's a, a red flag, something you have to dig into. But there's also things like, you know, the seller just doesn't think there's much profitability in the niche or they don't see the growth of the niche or they feel like they've capped out the website or the business. They can't get any more out of it. And, you know, that's just a legitimate kind of, you know, they may be wrong though on that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I've, you know, been involved in this where, where you get in, you end up looking at it and you find all of these opportunities. And even when a lot of times sellers don't think about how important it is to communicate the why. So they'll just kind of haphazardly say, oh, I'm, I just want to move on to other projects or I don't have any more time or whatever, as opposed to really communicating with the buyer, this is what's going on. I need to take this cash and I'm investing it in this. And those are the deals that do really well when, when you're working with a seller that's very clear to exactly what they're working on. The more open you can be, the better, because the buyer's looking at the situation, and if they feel like, okay, that makes sense. You've got this project, it's exploding, 
and you want to take some money to the, from this and invest it and, and put a little bit more in. Yeah, the sellers have to have an honest, real reason. And, and you know, as someone that's helping a seller, you arrive, right? It feels like sometimes we're peeling back the onion, right, to mm-hmm. get to like the real meat of it. Like they don't want to tell you what the real deal is, <laughs> and then finally they do. And I think the reason for that is it's not like they're making this. You know, we like to think that, oh, when you sell your business, it's a very good strategic decision and, and you know, it's the right time in the market. But the truth is a lot of people sell for personal reasons. Like we, we had a guy sell because he wanted to adopt a baby, right? And that's not cheap, right? And uh-huh. so when we, when we dug a little deeper, we found out he wanted to adopt. Another guy, you know, wanted to buy his first home, right? He was selling an online business. I gave him enough cash to buy a home in uh, Australia. And so, you know, these are like real just kind of – not yeah. as sexy reasons, but they're real, right? Yeah. I deal with the question from, and actually just yesterday was talking to a buyer. He, he's bought a couple deals that we worked with him on. And he came to me, not ready to sell, but just asking, okay, when should I sell? <laughs> and uh, that's a, it's a very personal thing. And so I gave him my personal philosophy on when I sell, but it is 100% based on me, my finances, my tax situation, opportunities that I come across. And I think a lot of times sellers want that end-all, be-all strategic reason to sell. And that can happen sometimes, but a lot of times it's exactly what what you're saying. It's when something comes up, you need the cash, you know that that's there, and it's really exciting. One one of the things where uh, that gets me excited about the website deals is, is that there is a liquidity in this market as opposed to other markets like offline businesses. Yeah, and there are, you know, aside from the personal reasons, there are those strategic reasons, or there are legitimate reasons where they need the cash for another business. As you're you know, mentioning before, like you know, let's say I've got some affiliate sites. And I want to sell them off. I'm going to get $120,000 for it or whatever. But I need that $120,000 for my e-commerce business that is cash heavy. It requires an intense amount of cash because of inventory. So I want to take that $120,000 and invest $80,000 of it into inventory and $40,000 into marketing. Right? And because that business is blowing up, let's say. So, I mean, yeah. that, that that's a good strategic decision. And those are the reasons that we generally counsel people. <laughs> that's like a good time to sell or a good reason. <laughs> But yeah, sometimes people are like, I want to go to Hawaii. <laughs> right? like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's talk a little bit about you made the decision you're going to sell or even before you make the decision to sell what it takes to get prepared. Because you talk to some folks and there are all these things that come up at the last minute when you decide to sell and you haven't taken the time. I'm sure you guys see that. You know, somebody comes to you, they haven't had Google Analytics. They're like, okay, I need to sell because this thing has come up or this investment opportunity or trip to Hawaii or, you know, adoption, whatever. But they're not really prepared. Yeah, you see this where, you know, they bring you their business and say, hey, okay, let's sell it. I'm ready to sell it. Let's sell it right now. Well... Not quite. Hold your hold your horses there, buddy. No, we need, we need to back it up a bit and take a look at your business because, you know, you know all your numbers and you're sure that everything's making what it's making and, <laughs> and that your numbers are legit. But buyers aren't just going to take your word for it. They're going to need some proof and they're going to need some data and they're going to need to dig into your business and their due diligence process. And, and some sellers are like, oh, when I sell my business, I just sell my business. And one of the reasons we're doing this show is to like kind of back it up and talk about you know, how to prepare your business to sell. I think it's really important. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, it's so frustrating, even from a buyer's perspective, when we're going through the due diligence process and even getting the information at each step takes a long time. The more prepared you can be, and even if it's just as simple as being able to hand over everything quickly and easily to a potential buyer, that gets the buyer really comfortable. Because even if it's just, oh, okay, I got to go and I got to generate these reports, I got to put those together, got to catch up on my accounting and, and put my P&Ls together, and it takes a little time. On the other side of that table is a buyer that's honestly rightfully suspicious at the whole process. So you got to understand you're dealing with somebody who's really cynical. And so, yeah, I'm excited to talk about some of the things that a seller can do to prepare. And the reason that's so important is because it makes a huge difference in the buyer that you're the buyers you're able to attract and being able to get a premium on, on your site. Yeah, buddy. Well, we got seven points you want to cover. Why don't we just jump into them? The first one is you need to design your exit strategy as early as possible. And, you know, like I was mentioning before, you know, seller comes to the table and says, hey, I'm ready to sell my business. Well, you're a little late to be thinking about selling your business. Poor preparation generally leads to a poor selling price. Uh, if you want to get maximum value for your sale, you're going to be thinking about it much earlier than that. And and we generally recommend 12 months. I think that's a good idea is to start preparing your business 12 months out. But at a minimum, you're going to need six to nine months. And the reason for that is, you know, a sales price and a buyer's estimated price is going to be based on net profit, right? Some kind of multiple SDE or net profit or however you want to figure it. And if you're not thinking about that and you're not preparing that by like cutting out exploratory spending and and you know like some of the crazy spends that you might do that are just kind of like testing stuff out you want to maximize profits in the you know 12 months or at least 6 to 9 months leading up into the sale and if you're not doing that you're leaving money on the table absolutely it's a very bad idea to be a couple months out you know you're going to be selling soon and that's the time that you start testing new marketing strategies or you come up with some new aspect of your or feature that you want to make some investments in and put cash into that because a, a buyer really wants to see cut and dry. This is the amount of income that we're making. These are the expenses. And this on average is the amount that we're going to plan on making in the future. Having those, even if it's a good thing, you know, you may have a, a few months leading up to the sale and you have some spikes in income. Maybe it's because of a deal and then maybe it goes down a month and then the last month it goes up again. That gets a really uncomfortable for a buyer because it feels like, OK, this is a very choppy earning. So the more you can kind of level that out and show that, hey, this can be a very consistent income producing asset, which is what buyers really like to see, that's what's going to get them excited. So being able to plan that out, yeah, is a, is a big deal. So let's talk a little bit about the business itself. I'm sure you guys get businesses like this, where the person is directly tied into the business. And so it's built around who they are and their name and they're mentioning everything. So the second step is separating yourself from the business. And so one aspect of that 
the person being the business. And so it's built around either their name, they're very tied into as an individual, their customers and that relationship is directly with them, not necessarily with their business. That can drive down the value tremendously or just make it unsellable. You know, I know personally for my consulting business, I could, um, that's not something that I'm planning on selling and, and it's built around me, all of my other business. Wait a minute. You're not going to sell acechapman.com? <laughs> I'm <laughs> actually not going to sell acechapman, believe it or not. <laughs> I was going to call you out on this one, man. I was going to call you out and say, hey, I don't know, separate yourself from your business. Okay, acechapman.com. I don't know about that, but I know what you mean. And like, this is acechapman.com is your consulting business. It's also kind of like your public entity, but you're not going to sell your public face, right? That's the Ace Chapman show, whatever. That's it. So all of your businesses are standalone and separate. Exactly. So none of those businesses have anything to do with me or my name. And it really, you can't even find my name associated with them 90% of the time. So those businesses are built as assets that you're going to be able to sell. The other part of separating yourself from the business is in the accounting. So a lot of people start to tie up other expenses. You know, you go out, you get a car, your business starts paying for that. You go out and you've got some personal subscriptions to things online. You see this with with online things like, oh, no, that's not really associated with the business. You know, 12 months out, if you can start to get rid of some of those things and, and really just have the expenses that are in the business be the expenses that are for the business, that makes things a lot simpler for the buyer. Everyone likes to call their dinner out a business expense until it comes time to sell their business. Right? And they're like, no, <laughs> that wasn't a business really? expense. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I like how you mentioned this, the second point, as separating yourself from the business. You know, I hear some people say, they go, look, you should start your business. It shouldn't have your name on it at all. But I don't, I'm not entirely sure because you get an initial advantage for setting up your company and like putting a name and a face on that business. So your mm. point of separating it out makes sense after the fact. But don't be scared to start a business with your name, with your face attached to it, because that may help you get traction. If you don't get traction and you don't get your business up and running from the get go, it's not going to matter when it comes to selling because you're going to have nothing yeah. to sell, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about our third point, and, and that's have precise documentation. And when we talk about this, we mean you know precisely track things like your earnings, right? Know where all of your earnings are coming from. You don't want to have to go after the fact and go, oh, yeah, I'm making some extra money here. Track your expenses. And this is one that gets caught out in due diligence commonly. And, and the reason is I think people don't really know all their expenses. And so they go, oh, yeah, here are my expenses. And then if a buyer calls you out, a serious buyer calls you out and says, well, you don't have expenses for this listed or that listed. And you go, oh, yeah, no, no, no. No, I do have those expenses. Here's what they are. That's going to put red flags in the buyer's mind. So it's better to just list them up front and be completely upfront and transparent about it from the beginning. You also want to be, you know, having documentation on your traffic. And I think really importantly is to have documentation on your process. So if there's a particular process you use for marketing, let's say that is you have an assistant that's going out and commenting on blogs or, you know, very involved in forums you want to have the process that he or she uses written out, laid out, so that when this transfers to a new buyer, they know all of the work and all those steps that you're doing. I think that's critical. And you don't see that 
all that often. And we really like, we really recommend that you do document these processes because it's really helpful for the buyer. One of the other things you need to document is your business relationships. So if you have vendors, if you have other people, you know, contractors that are doing work, you need to be able to show those contracts and have them ready and also, you know, be able to hopefully transfer those contractors to the new buyer. Uh, one of the things that you can run into as a problem is when, let's say I'm running a lead generation site and I'm providing the leads for my brother-in-law who owns a, you know, window repair company. I say, oh yeah, Bob Sorensen, whatever, this guy is paying me for the leads. He's my brother-in-law, no problem. Like, well, would you have a contract? Well, no, but he'll just continue paying the new buyer. Well, that's not great. You and Bob, it's, it's not helpful to a new buyer that you have this relationship because he could cut it off, right? When you sell the site, that can be problematic. And we've seen issues like that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, talking about analytics, this is a really simple one. Just just put Google Analytics on on your site. <laughs> you know, it's one of the things that a lot of people don't think about is there's no retroactive kind of thing that that you can do in in, in Google Analytics. So the every day that you're not putting it on the site and, and starting to track that is a day that's just lost. I mean, there's no history there. So uh, the sooner you do that, the better. That goes into the plan and starting 12 months and, and, and having those things there. And not just tracking it, but paying attention to what's going on with your site. So are there some things that may look weird and weird source of traffic and things that a potential buyer may find and end up asking the question, and then you've got to scramble to figure out what's going on, which, you know, again, causes that cynicism to come out. Yeah, at the very least, have Google Analytics on there, right? And, you know, it could be that you're, you've set up e-commerce, you set up, you know, some of the goal tracking, and you have that all in place, and that's fantastic, but at the very least, have Google Analytics. And one of our exceptions is, because I know some people just hate Google products, like, I don't want Google knowing anything about me, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, some of their concerns may be significant. I, I don't know. But uh, we do allow Clicky. And I think Clicky is a good third-party alternative. Uh, they're one to check out. But there are analytics. There is analytics software out there that can be manipulated. And so I think that's one of the reasons, Ace, that you like Google Analytics, that we like Google Analytics, is that it's not nearly as easily manipulated and it's easy to find out, you know, problems for buyers to do their due diligence, right? So to make sure that your traffic is legit, if you have Google Analytics, it makes it a lot easier. But the second thing is because people know Google Analytics. And so if I'm a potential buyer and, you know, one, <laughs> all sites being the same, I've got site A and site B and site A is Google Analytics and site B has some crazy analytics system I've never heard of before that I have to learn to even do the due diligence like it makes site A a hell of a lot more attractive, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that goes to being able to sell your site at a premium. All right, man. So our fifth point here is that you need to create separate web hosting accounts for your sites. And, you know, the main point here is that if you have your site mixed in with a whole bunch or your hosting account mixed in with a whole bunch of other sites, that can be problematic. It can make it a bit sticky. And when you have multiple revenue streams, you're going to want to make sure that it's all coming into one account, into one site, into one banking account. I think that's really important. When you're ready to hand over that website to the buyer, having it in the same hosting account and being able to transfer that account to the buyer makes it a lot easier than, you know, I've got one account or one site of many in this particular account. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I, it, it it makes it a lot easier, even in the transfer. Sometimes the buyer just wants to come in and take over the hosting. So you just have different options when you've got that dedicated hosting for that specific site. It's also for monetization programs, too. Now, certain ones you can't just automatically transfer to the new buyer, but others you can. So the ones that you're able to transfer it just makes the transfer process a lot easier. If the new buyer yeah. has to go and get approved with that affiliate or get approved with AdSense, it can slow down the purchase process a little bit and it may turn off some people or they may not get approved and that may be you'd hate for someone not being able to get approved for AdSense killing the deal. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the value. Valuations. This is the fun stuff. <laughs> At the end of the day, we all would love to have millions and millions and millions of dollars for every project we put our hands on. <laughs> but it, that's just not the reality of how this stuff works. So I'm sure you've talked to, Justin, and I've definitely talked to business sellers that just are out of touch completely with the reality of what a site is worth. And most of the time that airs on the side of being outrageously higher than what the market will bear. And so just like with a house or a car or anything else, there's a, a marketplace and there are certain things that determine the value of any asset. And so it's the same in, in this market, just because it's a website or just because Uber got a valuation and you're going to be the next Uber one oh, day. Oh, God, Ace. Don't just don't, don't <laughs> Uber, Twitter. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, yeah. Facebook, Airbnb. We're the next We're the next one. And so you're, you're, this, this isn't Silicon Valley. This is uh, just, a, you know, small businesses buying and selling. So a couple things to think about is in, in that period of planning your exit strategy, one of the things you want to do is spend some time studying other businesses in your space that come into the market and what they sell for, what they're listed for, and, and the, start to build those comparables. And it's great. I mean, it's a really great opportunity to do some research and, and be able to determine some of the factors that may make that deal weak so that you can fix it in your business. The other thing that some folks will do is they'll base their value off of an offer that wasn't a real offer. You know, I had some guy or visited this website. They said that my site was worth this, or I had a guy that contacted me. He said he'd pay me a million dollars. That <laughs> a lot of times is, is just not reality. And if that's the case, I would say go and take the million dollars from him. <laughs> yeah. In fact, give me his name and number. Cause I got some, yes. some businesses to sell him too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So get in touch with your marketplace, what businesses like yours are selling for, and then base your multiple on a reasonable amount. And if you want more money, it's great to start with that 12-month planning period where you can ramp up the business and grow it. You know what sucks, Ace? Is sometimes we're stuck in a situation where we have to gently or sometimes not so gently you know, let sellers down. And so, like, you know, I've, I've heard the complaint that it feels like, you know, my broker is competing against me. Like, he's mm. he's trying to get me to drop my price. And, and it sucks, right? It's a really crappy situation. Yeah. Like, they're coming to us. We're <laughs> going to work together on this deal. And like, no, no, your site's not worth that much. One of the worst <laughs> things, and I'm, I swear you've seen this, Ace, is that, you know, you get someone that says, look, I spent two years 
I spent a hundred thousand dollars, you know, building this. The tech here is amazing. This is going to revolutionize X, Y, or Z. It's just amazing. And, you know, I need to get at least $150,000 for it or something. I'm like, well, you know, how much does it earn? And they're like, well, you know, $200 <laughs> a month in profit, but that doesn't matter. It's really the money and effort I put into this tech is amazing. And what sucks to tell them is like, look, it sounds like you wasted $100,000. Like buyers, yeah. their interest is not in paying you back the $100,000 you spent. Like it's not like they're, oh my God, let me make sure Ace gets paid back his hundred thousand development costs. Jeez, he needs to get paid for that. They don't think that way. They don't think about you got them ahead toward whatever goal or plan it is that you had them, you know, going down. They don't care about any of that. All they care about is what it's done in the market, what it's proven itself to be. And like you said, we're not talking about Twitter and Facebook, Uber, great for them. Go to Silicon Valley and raise your, you know, five million and whatever. Good luck to you. But for the rest of us <laughs> that are doing real business, that's just not realistic. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I like, let me ask you. So, okay, let's say, for example, that I, I sell a cat furniture business, an e-commerce site, right? And I want to see, like you said, like I want to know what my competitors have sold for, if they've sold. How do I find that out? Like, where can I go to find out another cat furniture business or let's say even like dog furniture, let's say it's close enough. Where, where would you go to, how would you research that? Yeah. So one of the things I personally am just a big fan of is always, always being in the market. I feel like anybody that owns a business should always be in the market to buy a competitor. So if you're somebody that's growing your business and you're coming up with all these marketing strategies and you're testing things out and you're adding features and figuring out new ways to partner with, with other people, those are all growth strategies. But the greatest growth hack is to go and buy a competitor and instantly add to your bottom line. So part of that starts with the philosophy of just being in the market and seeing what's out there. And then once you're doing that, going to sites like Biz by Sale, being on the list. And at the end of the day, it does mean you're going to see things that's not related to your business. So you take that example of the e-commerce business that's in the cat furniture space. Well, you, you want to get on the list of all the brokers and, and the sites like Biz by Sale and it's going to mean getting emails that aren't related to your business, but it still is 20 minutes a day in a strategy that could lead to you doubling the size of your business with a single deal. But it does mean looking at a lot of deals and seeing what's out there and you can kind of refine that down to e-commerce. So you're only paying attention to e-commerce deals. So you're not going to find the, the next cat furniture business and, and be looking at a lot of those. But even within e-commerce, you're going to see some multiples and some trends and then going out and, and requesting those prospectuses and, and that kind of thing can allow you to learn a lot about some other businesses. And like I said, have the potential to, to grow your business through acquisition. Yeah, as long as you see, you're seeing the deals come across your plate and you're on all these lists, I mean, it's really easy to archive. Right, I hit a button. Okay, that, none of those business interests me. Archive, whatever. But you know, you yeah. may you may come across like parallel industries. Like if you're selling cat furniture, and there's a great company comes up with like cat toys or something for sale, and you're like, that's a strategic purchase for me. Those customers are my customers. I'm going to get a whole lot more value out of them than just a portfolio buyer might get out of that. Like a portfolio buyer is going to look only at the earnings. It makes you know five thousand dollars a month that profit. I'm going to, you know, base the price on some multiple of that profit, right? But you, you're like, oh my God, you know, they've got an email list of customers that are 8,000 deep 
and I could sell all of my cat furniture to them, that is a steal. Like my valuation on that business is instantly higher because those customers are my customers as well. So yeah, man, I, yeah. Uh, I, I, I dig that. And yeah, I think staying on the list, it's kind of a pain in the butt, but the one thing you mentioned is like just being, having your ear to the ground and like, you know, cooperation with your competitors in your marketing, there's going to be opportunities for you to reach out to your competitors and, and get on the same page with them and maybe even market together or like align yourselves temporarily, right. As you both grow. And if you're that close, hopefully there'll be wise enough to reach out to you and look for your strategic buyer when they're looking to sell. We had a situation, Ace, where we were using this uh, company called Hivedesk, right? And it's a time tracking software for virtual assistants. And, you know, we were using it. We were like one of the early users and we we're using it. And then all of a sudden we, we were giving them feedback and, and their beta and like they started growing. They got customers we reached out to the guy and he was like, yeah, I sold it. Like, what do you mean you sold it? And he told us and it was for low four figures. And we we're like, what? Like we use this all the time. We're big users. Like we would have promoted the hell out of this. We would have bought it for more than that. We were just like, God, you should have reached out to us, man. Like, why didn't you tell us? And it's our fault too for not being closer to him to where we would have known that that business was selling. Absolutely. We definitely, I could think of two deals that we literally bought. And once the users or clients found out that uh, it was for sale. They were really disappointed that they didn't get a chance to buy it. And one of them actually invested in the business at double the multiple that we bought the deal at. Oh, wow. So, yes, that is absolutely <laughs> nah, uh, something that just happens. People don't think about making those connections. Did you snake the Hive deal deal for me, man? What, what, what's going on? <laughs> that was you, huh? No, it's a it wasn't that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So let's get to the seventh point. I think this one's really important is that you know during the selling process, you can't neglect your business. Now, you know, I mentioned before, yeah, businesses from a buyer's perspective, even strategic buyers are valued as a multiple of current and previous profits, right? Usually it'd be some you know, based on a six-month average or the last 12 months or three months or something like that. But if you start to have a dip either right before the selling process or during the process, it's going to make buyers worried, right? They're going to get nervous. So some buyers are going to say, oh, it looks like, you know, earnings are dipping this site. I don't like this business. I'm done with it. And they're going to walk away. The ones that are still interested and go, ooh, I can steal this one. I can offer less than they're asking. I can get a sweetheart deal. And so they start to give you lower price offers. So it can really crush those offers and your final sales price, both from people walk, A, walk people walking away and B, from people thinking they can get a deal and trying to offer you less. Absolutely. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, and from a buyer's perspective, a business that's growing is hot, right? And I know I can think of a deal in particular between you and I, right, where you brought a buyer to the table and the, the, the business continued to earn more, continued to earn more. You guys held off a little bit. You ended up paying more for it uh, simply because <laughs> it had grown in like a month or two. And you're like, damn, I wish I could have got for a little less. But that helps you leading into selling your business. So uh, if you keep growing the business, and it continues to grow, you may get an even larger multiple or definitely you're going to get more money based on the profits it's making. Keep in mind that the sales process can take anywhere from one to 12 months, depending on a number of factors, like how many buyers there are, you know, what site it's priced at, like what kind of industry it's in. So if you're going six months, you don't want the six month decline while it was listed because someone's going to try to get it for a steal and you're going to you're going to lose some money. You're going to walk with a lot less money. So keep that train of chugging. Keep your business going. And it can be difficult 
when you've set your mind to sell, right? Like I'm selling, I'm out of this business, I can't move on to projects, ABC, whatever it is. And, uh, and you start to kind of, you're over it. You've mentally moved past it, but you have to stick with it until the deal's done. Yeah, I've been involved with deals, especially offline. It's a little more work where I just held on to it too long. You know, it was one of those things, especially when I was younger. I'm, I'm probably a little more trigger happy now. But you've got a business. It's going great. You know, eventually you want to sell it. But you, you start to come in. You've got some momentum. You grow it. And then the momentum dies and the excitement's gone. And you've moved on to another project and it's it's kind of slowly dying. And right before it's going to die, you're like, okay, I need to sell this. <laughs> That's the worst possible time to try to sell. It's like trying to get credit, right? Like it's easiest to get credit when you absolutely don't need it. So that's why you should be getting it when you don't need it. And when you actually need that credit, let's say you've had a you know, hard spot or something. It was like, nope, don't want to lend to that guy. <laughs> exactly exactly uh, let's talk about a couple of uh tips outside of these steps that we walk through that may just be some things that you've noticed as far as how somebody could uh, maybe improve the value or sell this site at a, at a premium or find the, the right buyer i know for me a couple of those things one has been finding that right strategic buyer even as a buyer, there have been deals where I know I've got a database of users in another business that I can go and promote this business that I'm looking at purchasing to. You know, it's, you're making this, as long as the, there's a reasonable multiple, I want that deal because I know I'm going to instantly explode that business. And so I, we've just done in a, a lot of deals like that. And so I, from the seller perspective, that's the buyer that you want. And so uh, looking at those strategic types of buyers is a huge opportunity. And one of the things that a lot of sellers don't take advantage of is mentioning that and starting to suggest that. Because sometimes a person may own a business or have an asset that can be leveraged and they're looking at your deal and they don't make the connection. So you as the salesperson of your business you need to communicate that to them and give them a lot like, hey, somebody would be able to kind of leverage this business and grow it by doing this and doing that and, and, and that kind of thing. And if you're a strategic buyer that has something like this, here's some of the opportunities that we haven't been able to take advantage of. The other thing is having a team that's willing to transfer to the new owner. It's so frustrating when you're in a deal. Everything looks great. The income is good. Everything checks out. It's running really smoothly. They mentioned that they're running it pretty much passively. And then you find out that the people that are running it for them aren't going to transfer to you because they're working on other projects for them. <laughs> or they're willing to work with you for six months and then you've got to go out and, and find somebody else to do that. So that's one of those things where it's just a new headache for the, the buyer and another hurdle for them to try to overcome to get excited about your deal. So having a separate team that can run your business, self-contained, that goes with the business, again, it increases the likelihood of connecting with that buyer and increases the, the value of your business. I like that. It's kind of like if you have multiple businesses all paying into the same business account, I and mean, that's not ideal. Ideally, it would be broken out, right? Now, sometimes, especially for these small businesses, I just may have some virtual assistants that are working on two or three businesses, online businesses that I run, right? And that's just that's just a fact of life. So if you're going mm -hmm. to do that, though, you need to at least at least have some kind of turnover or transfer process 
to the buyer. So these agents will be continue to work with it and will continue to work with your virtual assistants for two months, three months, six months or whatever in the transfer. You know what I mean? Yep, exactly. Cool, man. So I got two points. First one is just build your business to sell from the get-go. So have it in place an idea in your head that you're planning to sell the business. And you know maybe it's two years down the road, maybe it's four years down the road, but build it to where you know you're you're planning to sell it anyway. And and the real and this isn't you know earth-shattering news here, but you know if you're building it to sell, you're going to try to maximize your profits, right? And the benefits of maximizing your profits are you have more cash that you can put into the business, and you're able to grow faster. So. If you're maximizing profitability, which is what you would need to do to sell it anyway, you're going to be building a stronger business that's worth more and gives you more cash to put back into the business. One of the great reads on this is a book uh, called Built to Sell. It's a fictional agency where there's a guy who is trying to you know, figure out how to sell his business and it's not worth much because of the way he runs it. And so his mentor explains to him some of the steps he can take to make it a much more sellable business. And it's a fantastic read. It's short. You can read it, you know, take a take a Saturday or something and knock through it. It's totally worth it. The second point I wanted to bring up is that it really helps to use well-known or common platforms. I mentioned earlier things like using WordPress, for example, right? If you're it's either Joomla or WordPress, way more people use WordPress. So if I'm a potential buyer and I'm looking at your site, it's a Joomla site. I just might be less interested because I'm like, God, oh, I gotta go learn Joomla. My VA doesn't know Joomla. Like that sucks. It's me a pain. Whereas if the same exact site was on WordPress, I'd be much more interested in it. Um, now you're not gonna do this to the point where you hurt your profitability. So like everyone's heard of AdSense and Amazon. Those are easy monetization methods. But if you have one that's better, don't switch to that to sell it, even because it, if it earns less, right? So if I have a affiliate. And I'm like, no, I better switch to AdSense because people know it. I'm earning half of what I was. That's not good. If at all possible or when you can, use platforms that are more well-known. Google Analytics, you know, we talked about earlier, is one that people have used and familiar with. And it's going to help in a sale because ultimately you want to reach the largest buying audience possible. So you don't want to discount anyone because of, you know, a platform you're using. Yeah, it is tough. And that Joomla example hits home for me because it just is it's not even that Joomla's terrible software. It's just at this point, a lot tougher to find people that can do anything with it. WordPress is kind of the standard I've got to worry about when I sell it. Am I going to be able to where is Joomla going to be at that point? So that's huge and a great call. I feel like built to sell is just required reading for a business owner. Yeah, buddy. So let's uh, let's kind of you know wrap up this with uh, some news, man. What's going on with you? What you got going on in your business? You know, I'm I'm working on a very interesting offline deal right now. It's a casino that's in the Caribbean, and that's a a, a neat thing. It's kind of foreign deal. It's uh, got some different aspects with dealing with the government and some licensing and and all of that. So that's been a lot of fun. I'm just a deal nerd. So anytime I can get into something that's totally different from anything I've been involved in, that's exciting for me. What about you guys? I mean, y'all have so much going on, man. All the articles and getting in fights with the mafia, (laughs) you know, just some explosive growth that was What's going on with you guys? Uh, just pissing off Russia. You know what I mean? No, we, so, <laughs> so, well, first off, dude, I, I'm a Facebook buddy of yours, and I've been seeing your pictures. You're like, oh, I got to go to the Dominican Republic again. 
and work on my <laughs> casino deal. Like that's so horrible. Uh, <laughs> it's so funny, dude. But yeah, man. So, so yeah. So we had a crazy article go out where we got scammed for twenty five thousand dollars by some thieves. You know, we're using credit card fraud, right? And so we we put that out, and it, we knew it was going to be a big post because it's you know really. It's really out there, and we we nailed them to the wall. We we went and mentioned exactly who they are and the whole story, and I picked up on Hacker News and Reddit, and got just a ton of traffic. And it's really interesting to see and all the comments rolling in, and like all the attention the post got for a painful situation. We actually got the sites back. It was kind of the uh, the spoiler there, but we got the sites back from someone in our audience who had kind of read our hinting about it, reached out to us, and said, "Hey, man, I think I bought those stolen sites. Let's work out a deal." It was crazy. We've been having a few really good months of so businesses doing really well. Uh, we've been taking that extra cash and really looking to roll it into expanding our business. I mean, important for us as brokers is deal flow, right? So the more deals we can get in the table in front of our buyers, the better we're going to do. And we're moving up into the six-figure, mid-six-figure territory. And, uh, you know, that just requires us talking about those types of deals and, and uh, you know, having them available. Like simply having them available brings the buyers. So that's what we've been uh, – working on. Uh, buddy, I really like what we're going to be talking about for the show. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of things. We're going to bring on experts. We're going to be talking about offline versus online businesses, which I think is really interesting. I am a huge fan of online businesses. I know you still do the uh, the brick and mortar thing, so I'm going to beat you up on that if at all possible. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll debate That's the merits. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited about this. I, I love just kind of some of the things we're focused on. We got planned for the show. So hopefully you guys uh, share the show and stay tuned. Uh, we got some some neat things coming your way. Thanks for listening to the Web Equity Show. Now is your chance to be a part of the action. Go to www.webequityshow.com slash gift and send us your business acquisition or exit question and have it answered on the show. 